Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, your host, Angelica. and welcome back to another episode of a little bit of everything with me today my guest is a respected brazilian attorney and a former law school professor and author of many textbooks on international contract and of course she's launched new series of historical romances that were set in world war ii france and i'm so excited to have her because She's got so much to talk about, and this is what I love about having guests on the show. We get to talk a little bit of everything, so please help me welcome Adriana to the show. How are you doing today? Great, Angelica. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure, 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 because you know what? This is so exciting. Way to start off 2020 with a you know, a respected Brazilian attorney and a former law school professor, and you've got a ton of books under your belt. Yes, I have some some books outside. <laughs> and uh, I've been a lawyer for 29 years this month. So it's a long time as a lawyer also. Wow, congratulations. And also you've got so many books and where did you want to get started here? Because you've got a lot of books to talk about. And also you're, you're an experienced writer, self-publishing, and you work in a career that's very demanding. Oh, it's all about to organize and schedule because it's a little bit complicated to balance things. We tend uh, to work too much and never find the time to do things we please. So uh, when I was 45, I decided I needed to fulfill my dreams mm -hmm. and I needed to find a space to write. So I decided to organize my schedule in a way I could write every day a little bit, at least one hour per day. But uh, it's all about organization, discipline, and a tight schedule. Wow. And what was the, I know one of your dreams you said is to, you know, you wanted to accomplish your dreams that you have, especially, you know, doing your career for so long. And besides the scheduling, was it a lot of mental focus to kind of say, you know what, I'm done work. I tended to my family. Let me start writing something. Because, you know, for us, it's a lot of consciousness that happens where our mind's playing tricks. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, 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 that. And then all of a sudden, when you want to get to it, we can't do it. Yes. And I have another problem. I have attention deficit with hyperactivity. And with attention deficit, you have to polish yourself all the time for not being distracted mm -hmm. by that are not important. That's the reason I've learned very young uh, how to use schedules. So I have to do some things 
and uh, I don't have much time to daydream and escape of activities I don't need to. Of course, sometimes I'm out lost in the space of my imagination, uh, but I really need discipline to overcome the attention deficit. And that helped me uh, to, to compartmentalize things in my life. Sometimes for family, sometimes for career, sometimes for my dreams of being a writer. Uh, but it's complicated to balance life. I think for everybody, it's, it's a tough uh, subject. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I can see, I can see that. I, I can relate to you where... Um, for me, like I have a learning disability, which is dyslexia. And sometimes I, I can get out of focus very easily and, and really trying to put myself into this zone of, I need to accomplish this and it has to happen now. Or it has to happen this week. It, it's true. Scheduling does help. And for a lot of people, we need multiple schedules to kind of keep us really focused on it. Like, okay, yes, this is what I need to do. Or even writing it out on a piece of paper and say, well, tomorrow I have to get this done. And for me, I have to write it on a piece of paper and have it on my phone so it can alert me knowing that I have to get it done. Yes, and when we get older, I'm 51 now, uh, memory is tricky. You can't trust too much in your memory. So <laughs> I need to write papers. I always put notes in my phones and I always try to write down what I need. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I can completely relate to you. So with the writing of the books, what was your inspiration when you wrote your first book? What was that inspiration like for you? What was that motive that said, I got to write this book? My first book is part of a trilogy called Hidden Motives. And I think my experience as a lawyer, uh, I, I, I've been through thousands of judgments during my whole career. And I wanted to write a book about not judging. So I needed to find a subject that was very complicated and subject uh, to lots of bias. And I decided to write about a psychiatrist specializing in paraphilias, strange sexual behavior, because I know in this field, there is lots of judgment. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to convey the idea that you don't, you can't judge a person. You just need to know the person before you judge because people are the product of uh, traumas, dramas, a whole lifetime story. And uh, we can never judge someone we just met just because of that behavior that person is presenting to us on that moment. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea, the whole inspiration behind hidden motives in all those three first books is never judge. Uh, if you don't like, try to understand. Only then, only after you, you understand, you can judge. So it all comes from love, from judges, from my clients, uh, my job, always being judged by someone. And um, that, I think it's a cauldron of all those flavors. 
of 29 years of law, practicing law, uh, observing people, listen to my clients, listen to judges and their awards, sometimes very unfair, that uh, uh, those books were born from. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And that's beautiful, like where you could use your work and see use those experiences and kind of make it your own into a book. Yes, because when you are a lawyer, you are like a priest. People tell you their whole life. Mm -hmm. And if you start judging people, you can do a good job. Mm -hmm. So I've learned very early in my career, I had to listen, to observe, and to know better the situation before uh, doing something. And that's exactly what I try to show in my books. Mm-hmm. Which is really good. I, I'm, I'm actually on your website. And um, when I was even doing a little bit of research before we were able to meet virtually, I was so intrigued by the, the amount of books you were able to write because for some of us out there, it's, can be difficult to start writing books and for you having such a demanding job and you know making time for family making time for yourself and then making time for your books that's a real a good accomplishment it's hard to me stop writing <laughs> i love writing it's really pleasurable so sometimes i get so lost in writing i forget about family and everything <laughs> the only thing that can make me abandon writing for for some time is work and real life obligations because it's really pleasurable uh, i really love to do that and to write mm-hmm. and for all my listeners out there all her books can be purchased on amazon and it will be all in the show notes and this first book that we were just talking about is called behind the door uh, behind the Door was my, my first fictional baby. Mm-hmm. I had uh, legal books before that, but legal books are, are pretty technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Behind the Door was really a firstborn. And um, I wrote that, that book in six months. And I was so happy I could write my first novel. Uh, I immediately start to write a second one because it was like something something was missing in my life when I finished that book. Yeah. And then yeah. came the third and then the fourth. And it's just like that to me. I just need to be writing. Yeah, no, for sure. So tell us about book number two, which is called Laura's Journal. Uh, one of the main characters in book one is Laura. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lara is someone who has some paraphilias and has been through a very tough life. Even if, if she's beautiful, uh, very well succeeded as a professional, emotionally she's broken. Mm-hmm. And she dies on the first book. On the, and it's not a spoiler because the book starts with uh, a lawyer trying to hire a psychiatrist to help him buttress his defense that Lara's death was an accident, a, a, a sex game and not a murder. And on book two, we understand Lara better from her own perspective. 
her journals are, are found and we see how Lara became who she became on book one by her own words. Uh, those books, uh, I'm also the godmother of a shelter for abused children. And I wanted to bring to those books uh, how an abused children faces life after the abuse and how these kids grow. So we are going to, to know Lara from another perspective, from the perspective of a victim of abuse and not just a woman who puts pleasures above everything. So uh, it's a big book, 600 pages, and uh, it was very painful to write that book to me. Mm -hmm. Was it because of the events that this character had to go through? Um, was it that was that the difficulty? Yes, because uh, whenever I go to the shelter to visit the kids to help, uh, their stories are very painful to me, mm -hmm. and I had to put uh, on a paper. I had to write about it uh, to feel better about their stories. Uh, to to uh, it's a way of showing the world how they should pay attention to their kids because sometimes abuses can happen inside your own home and you are not seeing what is happening. Uh, kids don't tell, uh, kids are too innocent to understand what is happening. And I want society and readers to understand that, to understand the danger uh, of, uh, of not taking properly care of a kid. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And I, I completely understand that part because when you hear these real life stories, you're just kind of like, how do I, how can I respect the victim or, you know, respect the people that I want to build in this book in a way where I can respect others who are going through this experience, but also kind of make it, you, you want to send that message out as well, that this does happen all the time. And it has different consequences. Yeah. Uh, I, I did a lot of research uh, on the psychiatric field. I've talked to shrinks wow. to compose uh, some characters because I wanted to be faithful to what really happened to those persons, to, the, to those people. I, I had to bring uh, a technical side of each disease. So all the characters suffer some kind of abuse because it can be verbal abuse, it can be sexual abuse, it can, there are many, many kinds of abuse you can do uh, to a kid and the results are going to be completely different. Yeah. Uh, when they grow up, they can grow up in perverted persons and serial killers uh, and very disturbed people, very unhappy people. And I wanted to show that. No, for sure. And I feel like you, you have done that, especially with the, on your website, because I'll tell the listeners out there, I'm on her website and going through these books and the description kind of just makes me intrigued and wants me to learn more about what happened to Laura's journal. And I, I think if you go deep in Lara's story, uh, you are going to dive into a world 
of very tormented people around her because it's never the kid. Uh, the, the sick people are around the kid, the abused kid, because they abuse uh, because they suffer some kind of abuse themselves, some they have some kind of disease themselves, and it's a very complicated net of of sick people in a family, in the neighborhood, among friends, and uh, people need to understand that before judging someone. Mm-hmm. Exactly, definitely. Now, for moving, moving from Laura's journal, you decided to write book number three, which is called The Brilliant Game. Uh, the whole trilogy um, talks also about a serial killer. And the serial killer uh, kills people, innocent people, and nobody knows the reason. So the brilliant game is the key for all mysteries in the two first books. Uh, we are going to know who the killer really is. We are, no, uh, we are going to understand finally what really happened to Laura, who, what really happened to people around her suffering with, with her behavior. And, and book number three is simple, the key to everything. Mm-hmm. So with the book, The Brilliant Game, you've got a lot of twists and turns. And this is kind of, do you say like this is the final book of the hidden trilogy of this whole series? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> because uh, I fell in love with so many characters yeah. uh, while I was writing. So book number four is completely apart from the other three. Mm-hmm. But it's about one of the characters. That's mm-hmm. the reason book number four is historical. Because I needed to tell the story of Lara's grandmother uh, from her childhood in France. She was born among the two great, uh, greatest wars. And uh, from that time on, I needed to tell her story because I fell in love with that woman while I was writing that character. Mm-hmm. And I needed to tell her story. It's a book apart from the trilogy, but it's from a, uh, from a character that is inside the trilogy. So I can say it's totally over because today uh, I'm still vacationing. Uh, Next week, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to be back to work. So this morning, I was very relaxed and I thought, oh, Christ, I would like to tell Simona's story after book three. What happened to her after everything she saw and lived during these three books. So maybe it's going to be another book. Maybe it's going to have a book number four for Hidden Motives. I don't know. Well, it's fantastic because it's a lot of people out there who are thinking of writing a book. What advice could you tell them? Because you managed to write four books. And four great books. So what advice could you give someone who wants to get started? Start. First of all, you need to start. It 
doesn't mind if you don't have the perfect idea. You just need to start from somewhere. You want to be a writer. You you can go uh, telling, uh, saying to yourself, oh my God, I don't have the time. Oh my God, I don't have the perfect story. Oh my God, I don't have uh, any idea of how to begin. The beginning is you open your computer and you start writing about something. And one day you are going to have a book. Find time to fulfill your dreams. Uh, it's not easy. And uh, the second advice is be faithful to yourself. Don't try to write a book to please this person, that person. Don't write a book worrying about what your parents are going to think about that, what your friends are going to think. Uh, just write for yourself what pleases you. What pleases you is going to be great in a book. I did that to mine and I got so many awards because I just write for myself for my own pleasure. I didn't write thinking about success, money, or whatever. I just wanted to write a book. And from that one, many others were born and uh, just because it gives me pleasure. So the advice are start and be faithful to yourself. For sure. And that's, uh, that's great advice because it's true. A lot of the, sometimes the things we do is because we're pleasing other people and it's because we've, we've heard a similar story and we just want to, you know, make it better or perfect it or whatever it is, but it's all coming through your heart. Anything that's on your mind, just put it on the paper because it's, you have to make it your own at the end of the day. Oh, at the end of the day, I think uh, the recipe for failure in any uh, moment of your life, in your relationships, uh, with your family, in your work, is to do what people want you to do, not being faithful to yourself. And it's one of the things that age brings to us, to know what we really want, to respect ourselves what I can do that I'm going to be happy with my decision. Uh, because if I decide to please everybody, I'm going to be the most unhappy person in the world. Uh, I'm on my first marriage, Angelica. Mm -hmm. And I know about failure in marriage because mm -hmm. on my first marriage, I just wanted to please. I didn't think about myself. And now I'm very happy for, for some years because I discover the first people to be pleased in a relationship as myself. I need to put myself on the first place. Of course, I, I don't mean you have to be selfish, but if you are doing things that make you become another person and make you do things you don't believe and you don't like, no relationship can last forever. Mm -hmm. uh, no relationship is going to last. Doesn't matter the kind of relationship. Uh, no work can be done forever if you, you can find pleasure in doing that. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And those are great tips because I feel like for myself, and I'm going to share my experience with everyone, is that being married just newly probably two years, going into two years, um or three i don't remember 
<laughs> but I know it's it was 20, 2017, but um, it, it's it's crazy because we we I worry I was always focusing on him. Is he going to be okay? Does he need this? Does he need that? Does he need this? This this and that. But then I start to realize I start to lose myself and I forget about myself and I'm, I'm catering to other people. And now it's more of, it kind of switched on me. And I said, wait a second, I'm helping all these other people, but how about myself? And then when I lose myself, I'm not the person that I want to be. So then all of a sudden I had to take focus and really just say, let me do the things that I love. Because when I do the things that I love, I become this person that I just want to continue to do a good deed, but also keep that balance. I feel like we need that balance between our families as well and our spouses. So as soon as I like lifted this off of my shoulders of, okay, let me stop worrying about him. He's going to be fine. Let's focus on myself. And when I did, I felt so much better. Yeah, because we think uh, in some moment, uh, someone put in inside our heads, we must make people happy. Mm-hmm. And people need to make us happy. And it's not like that. Mm-hmm. You, In my opinion, of course, uh, everybody can have a different one. Uh, to be happy with someone, nobody needs to need anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I need myself. I need to be happy with myself to meet another happy person so we can be happy together. Mm-hmm. Because if I have the foolish idea I'm going to make others happy, I'm going to make my life miserable. And when my life is great, when I'm happy with things I'm doing, with the respect I found for myself, everybody's happy around me. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, I'm, if I'm myself, and if people like that, I'm not going to disappoint someone. But if I pretend someone I'm not, uh, eventually that person is going to be disappointed because it's just an image. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's very true. Now, you being a respected attorney and a former law school professor, how do you, how do you keep it together? Because, you know, as your work, like you said earlier, um, people tell you everything, people tell you their whole entire life. And you feel like, like you mentioned, you were like a priest and it's like, people are just pouring out their lives to you. So in order to help them, but how do you keep it together? Cause I could imagine there's so many stories out there that they're telling you and you're just kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is terrible or this is good, this is bad or whatever it is. How do you keep it together? Uh, in a hard way. <laughs> <laughs> At some point in my career, I decided I couldn't work with family law mm-hmm. because I'm too Italian. Uh, I have Italian blood mm-hmm. and I'm passionate about everything. I can't do things in a cold way. Oh, that's profession. That's my private life. Oh, that's my family. I can't. I was mixing everything. I was feeling sorry for my clients. I was uh, just hating uh, their enemies and things Mm -hmm. like that. To a certain point, I just decided I had to practice corporate law. Companies doesn't have feelings. Mm -hmm. They don't so it's better for me and I understood that if I can keep it in a very professional way that 
doesn't uh, of course companies have owners and owners tell me their stories but nowadays i learned a little bit better how uh to put things in their in a box this mm -hmm. box is for work this box is for family this box is for writing this is for my friends for my relationship because i use it to mix everything it was a it took me at least 10 years of my legal career uh, to try to separate, uh, to understand how to separate things. But I'm going to tell you a secret, Angelica. Some days I really can't. Yeah. I, really, I really worry too much about my clients, about family, about everything. Yeah, no, for sure. And hey, it's the big thing was to move out of the family law and going into corporate to kind of just, okay, I can do this. <laughs> it's better for my house. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And with your career and your book writing, what are other things that you love to do? What I, cause I, I can imagine you're, you got a busy schedule, but what do you love to do? Do you like to go out and go out into the nature, go find a local beach. What do you love to do for free time? Oh, I love to travel. I can do a suitcase in five minutes if you invite me to travel. So, uh, main of all, I love to travel abroad. I love to discover um, new worlds, new cultures, new flavors. I really love um, new cultures. So, I try at least three times a year to have the time uh, to go to a different country and to dive into this country's food, to talk to people, to their people, and to try to understand how they think. Uh, I love that. Uh, besides, in my life, I, I understood the contact with nature and animals uh, is very good for my balance. So I have this house, it's in the middle, of a, a condo, mm -hmm. uh, so if it's condo, the word in English, it, it's a private golf club. Okay, where, where I'm surrounded by this beautiful preserved forest. I have monkeys that come to the trees, and it's not regular <laughs> to have that. They come for for bananas, and I love to see that. I have a river in front of my house. And I have my two dogs. I love them. I love to play with them. That gives me balance. Some time alone. Uh, that's one of the things I decided to do differently in my last marriage. Mm -hmm. I live in separate uh, houses with my husband. Mm -hmm. So we don't see each other every day. We talk to each other uh, through phones every day. But we don't see each other every day. Uh, and I have this space to be alone to write uh, to be to have everything for myself my own space uh, and that gives me balance and I feel happy living like this I couldn't do differently I tried before but I can't and I love to have my friends I love to cook for them I, I'm really uh, a pretty pretty good cooker uh, a pretty good chef. I, I know some some basics of French uh, French cooking. Oh. And I love uh, to be with my friends, to cook for them. 
I love to taste uh, different wines. I've been learning a little bit about wines and I love to work out. I'm addicted to workout. I work out almost every day for an hour. So I have to tell you again about any schedule, a uh, tight schedule. And uh, I love to dance. Ah, I love to dance the tango, but it's easier to find a new husband than to find someone to dance the tango with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's how I, I live my life. Well, this is very inspirational because I'm 30 years old and I'm starting to figure out what the scheduling because I still work a full-time job and podcasts when I can. And I just feel like I need to find the other fun activities that I love to do because I used to love working out and then I just kind of stopped because things got busy and the hustle and bustle, the holidays and everything. And me being able to speak to you, it's an honor, but also with you, with what you have going on, it's very inspiring to me because I'm just like, she writes books. She's a busy lawyer, you know, professor, and you've got so much happening. And the fact that you speak different languages, I just want to have it all too. <laughs> oh, but do you have kids, Angelica? No, not yet. <laughs> I don't either. And that was an option. Mm -hmm. And I believe I can do everything in my life because I don't have kids. I don't know if I have if it was a different decision and I had kids, if I could uh, do everything I do mm -hmm. because it's complicated with kids. I see my friends, they always say, oh my God, uh, how come you can do all those things and you are always publishing books mm -hmm. i say how do you do that i say oh the secret is i don't have kids <laughs> so mm -hmm. i organize my time without worrying about uh school and taking somebody here and there to the doctors i think it was an important decision i took in my life i complicated one because i was judged by many 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 people starting by my mother uh but uh in the end i'm very very happy with my decision because i have time to do things that m make me happy mm -hmm. that's true that is true it makes a huge difference and you're right. I, I look at my mom's friend who doesn't have kids. She couldn't have any, but she was just like, you know what? I'm okay with it. And she accepted it. And she travels two months of the year. She doesn't have to worry about this. She doesn't have to worry about that. And she's just like, I just do everything that I want to do. And then there's still time to do more. Yes. Uh, uh, maybe it's selfish, but I decided that very young that I wouldn't have kids. And uh, um uh, there was not a single day in my life that I said, oh, I regret, I regret that. Mm -hmm. uh, I really think that you should think a lot before having a kid. Uh, if you decided to do, they deserve attention. And it was not something I was prepared to, and I'm not prepared to do that, to mm -hmm. spend my time with a kid. Uh, I have nieces, uh, we play together, but they are not my responsibility. 
That's and true. that's great. <laughs> no, it's true. I completely understand your point of view. And I've met other people who are, you know, child free. And um, I, you know, I, I understand it's true because it's, it's a decision they've, they've made for themselves to not have any. And it seems like they're able to just, they, well, it seems like it's, it is, it's true. They are able to do everything. <laughs> and uh, during our lives, uh, people that don't have kids, that doesn't have kids, you, uh, we tend to adopt other people's kids. So mm -hmm. I'm always adopting. My husband used to say I, I have at least six kids <laughs> <laughs> because uh, my former students, some of them became like real uh, sons and daughters for me. And uh, some young friends that I've met during my life. So I have like six kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, that life brought to me, that I ca can give them my experience. Uh, we can exchange lots of good vibes, good experiences without uh, the onus of maternity. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. Now, with everything that you got going on, do you watch any TV? Because I'm a reality TV junkie, so I'm not sure if you watch any reality TV. No, I don't. But I love series. I'm a, I'm really addicted to some series, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have time to watch my favorite ones every day. But when I do, oh, I love. I, I'm totally addicted now for Gracie and Frankie. I laugh a lot with those two and I <laughs> love it. Uh, but I really love... Uh, some series but not uh, um, those reality shows no I don't like them I don't hey that's no problem I figured I asked because everyone's different some people love reality some people don't to me it's just like I, I laugh out loud all the time with reality tv and um there's series that I watch too there's a lot of stuff I watch on Netflix and you know I just, I just have the rea the variety to watch different shows, and I just love it. <laughs> yeah, do you know in Brazil, the majority of the population loves, loves, they really love uh, uh, reality shows. I don't because my life is a reality show. I have to cope with so many kinds. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm always watching someone's life in order to find solutions. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. And you're living in Brazil currently? Yes, I live in Brazil. Wow, that's and fantastic. That's amazing. Uh, it's pretty hot here. I've just came back from the United States. United States until December 24th and it was amazing I love cold weather here is like hell <laughs> Celsius degrees it's hell hell and hell <laughs> would you come to Canada have you ever been to Canada before I'm from Toronto oh you're from Toronto never never been to Canada yet but it's one of the countries I want to visit I've, I've just got uh two golden medals from Book Excellence Awards from Canada. So wow. I really 
need to visit Canada. Uh, it's one of, I think next year I'm going to go to Canada. Okay, well, you know what? The next time you ever make it to Toronto, let me know ahead of time and I'll be your tour guide. Oh, I'm going to ask you to do that, Angelica. That's a promise. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. You let me know ahead of time and then I will show you around Toronto, no problem. When it's the best time to go there? The best time, do you want cold weather or do you want hot, humid? <laughs> oh, not cold to freeze, uh, uh, but I hate humid. Cold, well, I, I can't, I can I can go well with cold. So there's two options because we have four seasons. You can come over here during March, April, May, or you can do the beautiful fall colors. So September... October, beginning of November before the cold hits. So you got, I, like, yeah. I like that autumn stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be September. It's one of the months that I usually go in some short vacations, no more than 10 days. It's September, August, September. And yeah. then December and then May. Uh, I think it's going to be around September. Yeah, definitely. And same for you. If you decide to come to Brazil to visit, I can you go with you around the country. That it's would be great. Completely hot uh, in in December, and uh, sometimes pretty cold in July. Mm. So if you want to have a, a better weather, it's going to be also around September when we have springtime. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Springtime is a great time to visit Brazil. That'd be perfect. That'd be amazing. Now, Adriana, where can the listeners find you? Any social media, your website, let them know. Well, I'm on Facebook, a.gavazoni. I'm, uh, I have my website, agavazoni.com. I'm on Instagram as Adri underline Gavazoni. Uh, this Gavazoni is with double Z. And I have a Twitter uh, at A underline Gavazoni. I answer emails from all my readers, I love to answer emails. I, I find one day per week to answer. So I'm not going to answer in 24 hours after you send me, but I'm going to answer. And it's Adriana at adrianagavazzoni.com. Um, I'm pretty much everywhere. My books are on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, I will answer. If you try to get in touch with me, you're going to have an answer. Well, that's fantastic. And all her information is going to be in the show notes and all the names of her books will be in the show notes as well with the Amazon link. And of course her website and all of that information will be on there. And thank you so much, Adriana, for being on the show today. This has been awesome. Fantastic. I'm so inspired because you, you do it all. You really do it all. And it's very inspiring for me to hear that. And I really appreciate you having on the show today. Thank you very much. The pleasure was 
all mine, Angelica. Thank, thank you again for having me. And thank you to your listeners for listening to us today. It was really, really exciting. Well, thank you to all our listeners out there. And thank you to Adriana for being on the show. And that's all we have for now. Hi, my name is Casey Gonzalez. I'm with Chef Salty Pork. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pen from the CQP Moments Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Mark the Shark from the Mark the Shark MMA Show. And you're listening to a little bit of everything with Angelica. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to. That's it for now. And thanks for listening on a little bit of everything with me.